The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. And yes, we are headed towards the final four. It'll be here before you know it. Make sure. You get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. That is the place to bet on the Final Four. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, a whole bunch of podcasts you already know about over at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. And this is the episode that we have been promoting and hyping up for weeks. This is the episode where we get all of the data all the information about how we did in 2020 and we talk about how we've done so far on the even money podcast since we've been tracking it going back to 2016 we means me and steve fezzik at fezzik sports the only two-time winner of the super bowl of professional football gambling and the super contest at the Westgate Casino. Make sure you follow me at Ross Tucker NFL and all of our shows at Ross Tucker Pod. We do have a special guest though today, Steve, and that is our guy Sean Grady from Australia. By the way, what a perfect last name for the guy that grades us. The guy that <laughs> grades us every week, his last name is Grady. Sean, is that a nickname or is that your real last name? No, no, that, that's my real name. Um, actually, my actual nickname would be Grades as well, so it's even more appropriate. Your actual nickname is Grades? Yes, that's right. That is amazing. Speaking of amazing, Sean, what, what time is it right now where you are? So we've just gone uh, 5 a.m., so nice early start to the day. 5 a.m. Wednesday, yeah. Uh- 5 a.m. Wednesday for our guy, Sean Grady. So many of you know that the Birdman was our grader for a number of years, uh, wasn't able to do it this past year. Sean stepped up in a major way, and it's just phenomenal, the data that Sean provides to Steve and I every week. I don't think he ever got one wrong. 
keeps us on our P's and Q's, keeps us honest. We're able to tell you guys how we did for the year. Now, Sean, refresh my memory. Are you on social media anywhere if anybody ever wants to follow you or anything? Uh, no, if, if basically, if you want to chat anything about this, pretty much Tuckheads is the, in the Slack channel is the only place where you can find me if you want to um, talk any of this, uh, any of these results or any of the even money stuff. There you go. Go to page. I, I love it, Sean. You, Sean, you're good at this, man. You are good at it. That was the exact right answer. Patreon.com slash RT Media. That is where Sean posts our bets every week during the season, posts our grades. It will save you guys a bunch of time. Just go to Patreon.com slash RT Media. Become a tuckhead. You get all that information from Sean every week during the season. All right. So you are the dad. By the way, what shirt are you wearing there? Is that rugby? This is rugby league. So this is the Parramatta Eels. So this is uh, my team, my, mine and my son's team and my dad. So we've had a good start to the season. We're 2-0 and to start the year. Um, hoping to break our... We have, we have the longest premiership drought in the rugby league. So I was one year old last time we won, so... I'm probably ready for another year of disappointment, to be honest. What's the name of the team again, Sean? So this is the Parramatta Eels. What's the name of the town? Parramatta. It's in Sydney. Ah, okay. So it's one of the Sydney teams. Yeah, one of the six rugby league teams in Sydney, yeah. Even though I'm I'm a couple of hours north of Sydney in Newcastle. So wait a minute. How many rugby league teams are there? Oh, so there's 16 rugby league teams, and then there's another 16-odd Aussie rules teams, about five rugby union teams, and another, what, 10 soccer teams. Probably the four main codes, yeah. Okay, but if there's 16 rugby league teams and six of them are on Sydney? Yes, very, very crowded market. It used to be even worse um, till, oh, 20 years ago, they, they had to merge a few. Um, but, yeah, it's very, very Sydney-centric. Just like um, the Aussie rules is very, very Melbourne-centric. Oh, they'd have even more teams based in Melbourne for that league. Interesting. Now, is there a – like, when I was there, I went to a Waratahs game, the Taz. Are they, are they the most popular in Sydney? Oh, no, no. R- rugby union's probably – oh, you'd say it's – Probably the least popular now these days. Um, it's on a bit of a downward spiral. Um, in Sydney, uh, in New South Wales, rugby league's definitely the most popular of the sports, whereas in Victoria and South Australia, it's Aussie rules will be what they follow. Interesting. Okay. All right, so let's dive into this. you got all kinds of tabs, all kinds of... Right, is everybody in Australia like you, like a, a spreadsheet wizard, or is that just you? No, I'm just one of those people who, who just gets excited and just gets a little bit carried away with it. I think when I started doing some of these gradings, what, three years ago, it was pretty simple. Like, and then, you know, you add a few nice colors, make things automatically calculate some results for you, and then I, I just get carried away. Um, it, it helps. It's kind of what I, I do for work as well. I do some Excel teaching, so... It all just fits in. Got it. Okay, so then let's get to 
Uh, tab one is the season summary. And I, as much as anything else, Sean, I guess Steve and I just want our listeners to get some of your takeaways from what we did for the year. Uh, because I see we both finished up seven units for the year. However, my ROI was 3%. Steve's was 4%. And my strike rate was 49%. So what that means is I got more wrong than I got right, but I got more of the two-unit ones correct. Yeah, that's right, um, which is a nice change. So I think last time we, we spoke on the pod, what, two years ago now, you were the other way around. You were getting those, um, you're wagering the, the wrong way around. So you were getting a lot right, but you were getting a lot of the two units um, incorrect um, and getting the one units correct as well. Um, you've also turned around a fair bit as well with, um, you've got a pretty similar strike rate between your leans and your um, actual plays as well. So you've gotten a bit more aggressive with your betting, but kind of appropriately aggressive, even though this year was you know, sitting below that 50% range. Um, yeah, pro- probably your biggest downfall, though, is um, if you have a look at those um, bets on the points total, just a pretty appalling year when you only hit, uh, well, less than one in five of those coming off for you. Unbelievable. I'm looking at it right now, Steve. I My strike rate was 18% when I bet the total including minus 62% ROI. So if I just never bet the totals, Steve, if I just bet the lines, I would have had an awesome year. So let me ask you something, Steve. Do you look at that as just a one-year thing? Sean might have the data from other years, but do you look at that as just a one-year thing and I should just keep doing what I'm doing? Or next year, should I just not bet the total because I stink at it? Normally, I would look at it as a one-year thing. And, you know, the reason being, there's, I think there's a Blackjack book. Uh, I think it was Blackjack Attack that they show all these guys using the same Blackjack system. And the variance amongst the different guys is just tremendous. And then they explain why. Oh, well, this guy was out drinking late, you know, the night before many of his sessions. And this guy was too conservative, et cetera. And at the end, they said, no, we're just kidding. They all actually just played optimally. But there's just so much variance in sports betting, and you can be fooled by the randomness. What's that movie, A Brilliant Mind, where they find the Russian code in the newspaper? There is no Russian code, but you'll you look hard enough and you'll find it. However, Ross, I think this is a case where your numbers on totals were so much worse than sides. Maybe it's time to go ahead and drink the coffee and say, all right, let's focus more on sides. So here's a question, Sean, because I know you focus mainly on 2020. Is it is that historically been the case for me, or was that just 2020? Uh, you've you've historically been a bit better with your picks against the line, against the spread. But um, so 2018, you had complete opposite this amazing year. Um, we're just smashing unders over and over, and had a great year that year. So this is sort of historically low for you, and against a trend. Well, you've always been slightly better. Picking against the spread, your totals, um, you know, you've ha- you have had some really good years, but this is, you know, just had a, just a shocker in 2020. 
Yeah, I mean, you can say terrible, Sean. You can say I stink. That is bad. You know, the other thing, Steve, in fairness, I do get every once in a while, I don't want to talk to you guys about this, every once in a while someone will say or point out that, well, you guys, you're not counting the minus 110 when you lose. And we're not. But I guess I feel like we're getting a lot of newer listeners, newer sports bettors, and we're trying to keep it as simple as possible when we talk about units and being positive or minus the units. And in my mind, the more sophisticated bettors, they understand the VIG. Like, they, they, they know it. You know what I mean? Like, they, they know the deal. So if we're up seven units, well, maybe we weren't really up seven units because of the minus 110. Your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, and for those who want the, the deep dive analysis, um, you can go on, on my picks. Certainly some of the picks I give out with you, Ross, are going to be premium plays I'm giving out to my clients. I give out some other plays as well. It's all at pregame.com, and we document all my results based upon you know, obviously paying the VIG on the plays. So if anyone wants that deep dive breakdown, head on over to pregame.com, and they can see it for my numbers. Yeah, I guess my point is people know that most of these bets are – Minus 110, and if you lose, you lose 110. Like, I think most people know that. We're just trying to keep it simple with you. Or at least people that bet a lot know that. And if you don't bet a lot, you'll figure it out. We're just trying to keep it as simple as possible so you know, essentially, how many we got right, how many we got wrong. All right. Yeah, I think I think it makes sense as well for, for those of us in Australia as well because we don't talk big. We don't do minus 110, minus 120. Everything's... In the dollar amount, so you know our minus one tens are a dollar ninety. So definitely for international viewers, makes a lot more sense to be talking just units and just going straight up, you know, yes or no with the units rather than incorporating vig and you know because you know we're talking about we'll talk our prices in Australia. If, you know, it's paying a dollar ninety, not hey, it's this is one ten minus one ten. Oh, I didn't know that, Sean. Explain that for people so that that's a good. That, that's even another good reason for, for us to do it the way we do it. So you guys don't have minus 110. You pay 190 to win 200. So our, so our minus 110, so we, we pay one and we get back $1.90. So generally any of our head-to-head bets on totals or lines where you're going over or under or um, picking at spread, you usually get odds of about $1.90. Somewhere between a dollar eighty to sometimes up to about a dollar ninety five, they will to incorporate the vig. But yeah, we do everything everything in prices. There's none of this, you know, plus four hundred, minus three twenty. It's all what you get back for every one dollar you bet. Oh, okay, Steve. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's incredibly confusing for Americans because. One of the menu options when you go to a sports book is they say American pricing or they call it European pricing. And so you get used to it. They like minus 182. All that's like laying the dollar 20. But I got to I got to be honest. It's like I've, I've accidentally had the default to be the European pricing and I'm a creature of habit. It's like Americans. We never could even grasp the metric system, which makes so much sense. You know, it's like everything should be in factors of, of 100s and 1000s and 10s. I mean, a sharp fifth grader would say, you know, obviously we got to get rid of these gallons and we got to go ahead 
and, and go to leaders. There's no way that we can not make this conversion. And back in the 70s, for those younger, you know, there's a lot of signs on the highways that would say, you know, it's 100 kilometers, 64 miles, whatever. All the signs got changed. And Americans were just so set in their ways. We just won't change. And we've So um, I don't think there'll, there'll ever be a change and we'll be using different methods. That is interesting. So, Sean, that's a great answer for why to not do the VIG and to just do it in units. I like it. Um, all right. So we talked about bets on the line significantly outperforming bets on totals. What about by time of game? Yeah, so I broke it down as well. So I was a little bit liberal with what was prime time versus non-prime time. So if it wasn't Sunday or Sunday afternoon football, because, I mean, we had some pretty crazy times this season with some Tuesday nights and different things yeah. going on with COVID. Um, but basically, we looked at prime time as any, anything almost standalone versus the Sundays or the Sunday afternoons. And there was actually, you know, a, a pretty decent difference in um, strike rate. So in your accuracy, so you went up from non-prime time games, you were sitting below 50%, 48% accuracy, up to 52%. And Steve jumped by 5% as well um, when he went from 53% for non-prime time and it jumped right up to 58%. Oh, you have to remove things like the um, some of the two-team teasers because they crossed ac- they went across time zones. Uh time zones for the game. So um, this was, again, another departure from a couple of years ago when particularly 2018, you had a really bad year on primetime games on Thursday nights. It was really struggling with um, – you had a much lower I remember um, that. strike rate on the Thursday nights where it seems to have reversed this year. Um, you know, possibly it's because there's a bit more of a sample size because we had some of those games moving into – Tuesdays and standalones, we didn't have quite as many just Sunday and Sunday afternoon games. So there was more of a chance to get it right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you've got any ideas on that, Steve, why that would be a difference. You know, some of the primetime games this year were the COVID games where there was a big disruption in schedules and teams had, you know, big time advantages. And so maybe we interpreted those um, correctly as having edges on what we're considering to be primetime games. Um, I'm always cautious, though, any small sample and drawing conclusions. I think oftentimes it's just um, random noise. How big enough, how big does the sample have to be, Steve, for it to not be a small sample? Literally thousands, not hundreds, thousands of games. So, in fact, people like come to me all the time and they're like, I'm like the greatest handicapper in the world. You know, I'm 65 and 35, and I tell them, eh, meaningless. Because if you have 100 people flipping coins, one or two of them are supposed to win 65%. So you have a survivor um, bias where the people who do lousy just disappear, but one guy that does great suddenly becomes, you know, the superstar. The bottom line is I'd much, it, it's much more statistically significant if I have a guy pick 1,000 games and go 53% than a guy – who goes ahead and goes 65 and 35, even though that's that seems crazy, it's just not very predictive. Yeah, the, the more we look at the years, yeah, they all sort of, the, the larger, the more years I've put together, yeah, you find it sort of does not make a difference. It's, it's just they do stand out in separate years, but like Steve said, they sort of regress to the mean 
together. Like it's not really that different. It's just, you know, sometimes it highlights in one year, but yeah, as Steve was saying, it's not, there's very, you know, even though we're talking about what there's five seasons of data in reality, five seasons of well, there's 250 odd games isn't a huge sample size at all. So especially when it's the opposite of what we did in 2018, it's interesting. You keep talking about 2018 and not 2019 when I killed it, Sean, you keep going back to 2018 when I stunk. <laughs> Yeah, well, 2018s. I've got very good data on that one. That was a that was a memorable year, probably for the wrong reasons. Though I'm just so used to you killing it each year that um, you know, when things go wrong, it just stands out. That my how about this? My 2018, Steve. That's the only one. I was speaking of sample size. One, two, three, five years, two people. Right. So we've got ten. 10 uh, years of data, right? Five times two. My 2018 is the only year, is the only one of the 10 that was in the red. I was down nine units. Other than that, up five in 2016, so not great. Up 38, 2017, amazing. Down nine, 2018. Up 26, 2019. Up seven. I'm like a roller coaster. Whereas Steve, you're a lot, you're a lot smoother. Up twenty three, up twenty one, and up seven, up thirteen, up seven. You're a lot more of a smoother riding ship. But to get together, it certainly works. And you know, one thing Ross doesn't know this, but their sports investment funds are now legal in Nevada. They've been so since two thousand fifteen. You know, one day it would be interesting if we went ahead and had the. Uh, the Tuckerzik Sports um, Investment Fund, where Ross and I just put our heads together and we've made investments and actually had a fund and money. Um, you know, we could have our own money or, or other investors and saw how, you know, how the fund would go. The one problem with that is it can really spoil a great relationship when you actually put your hard dollars down and um, someone makes a bad call on a game and then it winds up costing the, the fund money I found that um, when I've done this with people in the past, formally, it can uh, strain relationships. Interesting. All right. So what about by team, Sean? Because I know you went in and you found out how we did by team as well. Yeah. So I just did um, this one more for interest sake because I realized, so I spent a lot of time over the past few weeks re-listening to lots of episodes, double checking everything. And quite often the theme was coming up on a certain year oh, well, I'm not betting on the Browns anymore because they're killing me every year. And I wanted to see, is that actually true or not? Um, so, uh, yeah, for, for last year in particular, yeah, I was able to look back. Um, Ross, your best team for the year was the Panthers. So you finished up six units on bets on the Panthers. Um, and interestingly, you, you, placed, you picked every team in the NFL at least once throughout the year. Um, Steve only hit 30 of the 32 teams. Um, left off the Chiefs and Washington never got a pick from Steve during 2020. Um, but there, there, there wasn't really any huge similarity between the two ones that you did well on Ross, like um, the, the Panthers you did really well on, um, whereas Steve's best team for 2020 was the Rams returned the most. Maybe the closest I believe was um, 
maybe the Falcons, you both did pretty poorly. The Falcons treated you both pretty poorly in 2020. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to see if, you know, that the, because the, quite often we we listen to that anecdotal stuff and start believing that it's actually accurate that we're getting um, screwed over by a particular team. And so I just went through and had a look at it. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised you'd hit every single team. Um, so you did well. And, um, but yeah, so Steve's worst teams were the, the Lions and the Jags. Cost him, um, he ended up minus five on those teams. Um, and Falcons, I think, I think you ended up about minus four on the Falcons as well. So they weren't a great team for either of you. Um, and, and um, yeah, I, I found it interesting the least bets you had placed Ross was on the Chargers because even listening back, I was thinking almost every um, episode you had an opinion on the Chargers and it was going to be, oh, well, they're going to lose this by a field goal. And then I was actually surprised that never translated into picks or only once in the whole season it translated to actually acting on that advice. And That's a know, good point because I, I said that every game. It's interesting I didn't end up betting it that much. This is Sean, this is really cool. I mean, I don't know how you went back through and got all this stuff, but this is really cool. Uh, you know, my best team was the Panthers. The Panthers were good to me. Worst team, Falcons. I am surprised, Steve, that you didn't bet on the Chiefs once. Really surprised. I'm also surprised you didn't bet on Washington because, you know, the Chiefs had so many games in a row where they didn't cover, and then – I, I thought I remember you saying, "Well, they got Alex Smith now. He's so much better than Haskins." I thought for sure you bet on Washington. Yeah, it's interesting. The I stayed away from the Chiefs. You know, I I certainly pick, I picked them to win the Super Bowl the year they did win, and I was high on the Chiefs. But I was like, "Ah, the point spread tax has just gotten to this team this year," and so I was correct to stay off of them as they went through you know that horrible run of nine straight games without covering. When it comes to wa- the Washington football team. It's an example where I liked Alex Smith. I didn't know if he was fully recovered, but I absolutely hate the organization. So sometimes you just say you have an organizational bias that says, you know what, I can't bet on this Washington team. They do so many – the organization does so many things wrong, I want to avoid them. Just like I don't want to bet against New England because they do so many things right. Will you take anything away from this, Steve, for next year? From you know the like the the Lions and Jags being bad for you, the Rams being good for you, or not at all. You know, one thing that I will take away is that historically you can make money betting on bad teams in the right spots. I wonder if I've taken that too far. It's like I mean, I make fun of the Lions. I talk about Jacksonville being the paycheck town where players go there to get their money and to you know enjoy the weather. And I think I got to take it more seriously that, you know what, there are just some teams that the numbers will say hey, there's value catching all these points. But um, you want a team like Carolina that's on the come, that has a plan that you, we all think Carolina a couple years from now will be you know, a good chance for playoff contention. I don't think any of us is bullish at all about the Lions, you know, you know, going forward next year or 10 years from now. And I've often said if you're a bad team in a city like Detroit, how are you going to attract free agents? You want to get Ross Tucker to block for you? Hey, he'll block for three and a half million in L.A. In uh, he needs five million if you want if you if you want him in Detroit, right, Ross? I'll go wherever the most money is, but <laughs> if it's Ty, if it's Ty, I'll probably go to L.A. Now, this last graphic that you sent me, Sean, 
I don't even know what the heck this is or how to describe it. You've got two plots showing bet outcomes of each week from 2018 to 2020. We have a pattern emerging. Poor performances week seven through ten. What does that mean? Yeah, um, again, it's it's one of those things. It's a really small sample size because we've just got the three seasons in there at the moment. But uh, again, when I was looking at it, I was thinking, you know, by maybe, you know, week seven to ten, you're kind of in your groove and you know what these teams are and what's happening. But each year it seemed to be showing that this led into a bit of a, a downturn for yourself and Steve. Um lower returns and, and even weeks of bigger losses. Um, most years as well, you guys start really quick as well, where, you know, up nudging double unit profits early on. And this seems to be a period each year where things come down to earth a little bit. Um, even years where you've had a really nice finish the year, some of the years where you got up to, you know, 20s uh, plus 20 units, this period always ended up being a bit of a downturn and coming back to um, almost even before escalating again. And I, you know, my, my initial thoughts were, well, surely this is where we know a lot about the teams. And I just didn't know if there was something I was missing in that, um, that why that could be a period where, where struggles start to happen. I have a theory. It has nothing to do with the NFL and it has everything to do with the calendar schedule for myself. Week 7 through 10, that's November. What happens in November? NBA starts. College basketball starts. College football still going on. So now, as a better and a handicapper, I'm pulled in so many different directions. How can I focus enough on the NFL? But boom, by the end of November, college football pretty much is almost done with. And now I can... I spend less time on college football and now I can devote more of that time necessary to win in the NFL. Sean, you are the man. This was fantastic. Is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug, promote anything other than me just say that grades is the best nickname I've ever heard for you and that you are phenomenal and that people that are into this stuff need to become a patron patreon.com slash RT media so you can chat with Sean and the boys on the Even Money thread. Anything else, Sean? Yeah, well, definitely. If you if you want to see all the um, the plots and all the all the um, data, we put it all up on on the Slack channel, and I'll I'll put all the um, the plots up as well for everyone to have a look at and pick to pieces. And hey, if you, if you want to learn how to do stuff like this, you can always come and learn from me. At, you go to intersect.org.au, and you can. Sign up to get me to teach you some Excel things or some, I teach programming languages and surveys, everything in between. So there's a little plug for my work. So hopefully that. I love it. Say face. it again. Uh, it, uh, I work for a company called Intersect. So it's intersect.org.au. Intersect.org.au. And you can learn how to do this stuff from Sean directly. I love it. Thank you, Sean. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Ross. Do you know what I'm about to say right now? That I can go back to sleep. Now it's 5.30. Well, yes, right. you can go back to sleep. But Steve knows what I'm about to say. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. 
Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 